touchdown, Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Snell com a corrida. Ben Snell com um passinho para a esquerda. Ben Snell sem ninguém na frente dele. Hello and welcome into the Real Steel podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just the real steel. All right, I'm your host Jeff Schmidt, and that was my co-host Polt. And the Steelers are back in the win column after a hard-fought game in Indianapolis on Monday night. And it wasn't the most convincing win, but a win is a win. Am I right, Polt? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't pretty, but Mike Tomlin's now 19 and three on Monday Night Football, and it was a great way to start off the week. Gotta love having a Monday Night Football victory. Yeah, and after I watched some of these games and I watched Monday night, it seemed like things are getting a little bit better. Some of the things that we've talked about with Kenny's growth and development, which we'll talk about later on in this episode, it seems like some things are improving. The defense is playing a little bit better. We're starting to see some more movement. Uh, But at the same time, there's a lot of the same that we're still seeing. And we're going to talk about that as well. But let's go ahead and break things down without, you know, um, getting into it too quickly. Uh, but quite frankly, I think that first half was really a good half of football, if you ask me. I mean, we had five drives. We scored on four of them. We scored on our opening drive, which doesn't happen all the time. No. We forced a turnover. We let up only three points. I mean, it was a pretty good football half for the Pittsburgh Steelers, something we haven't really seen entirely this season. Yeah, I mean, and the only drive we didn't score on was when we punted from our own 38 because we didn't feel comfortable letting Matthew Wright kick a 55-yard field goal, which, mm-hmm. I mean, looking back on it, it, it ended up working out. It's no big deal. The one issue in the first half was we did settle for three field goals. If we punch in a couple touchdowns, it's a little bit of, different of a game. But you said we were so dominant. We really were. I mean, listen to these stats. In the first half, our offense had 16 first downs to their four. We had 232 yards to their 71. We ran 43 offensive plays to Indy's 22 and we had the ball for 21 minutes, 58 seconds to their eight minutes and two seconds. We dominated the first half. Absolutely dominated. Unfortunately, we were only up 16 to three, but 16 to three was still a pretty healthy lead. Yeah, it was a healthy lead for sure. And you bring up a good point about the field goals. That was probably one of the downsides, like you mentioned in the first half. I mean, the first very first drive. I think it was about a five minute drive we put together and it was a fourth and two from like the 27 yard line. And it was going to be, I think it was a 45 yard field goal. It was. We know that Matthew Wright is, doesn't have a huge leg on him. I mean, obviously he's getting better, I'm sure and practicing and, you know, he's an NFL kicker, so he's capable of making those kicks, but I would have liked to roll the dice a little bit with a zero zero scoreboard and go for it when you only have two yards to pick up. I mean, the offense was rolling. They looked pretty productive um, that would have been nice to see us go for it. But yeah, I, I wonder, I think Kenny had a bad pass, a high pass on third down. And I wonder if that kind of swayed. He had a great first drive. He was awesome, except for that third down play. And I wonder if that kind of swayed. But I do have to say, Matthew Wright made a 45 yarder, a 52 yarder, and a 25 yarder. Yeah. I know they passed up on the 55, but he missed two kicks in that, the first, his first start with us. And he's really right. settled down. And so I really like to see that. That helps us with no Boswell playing right now. Yeah. And we probably won't have him for too much longer. Right. I mean, no. I remember watching the game Boswell ran into the locker room next to Kenny. I was so confused about that. So, you know, he's probably getting close. He, he was put on IR, right? Yes. So, so it's a minimum of four games and he's either at three or four or close to it. So, you know, he might get activated soon. We might not be seeing much more Matthew, right? But for a fill-in kicker, after missing two, like you said, to come yep. back, 
I mean, that that's good. That's a lot of pro- productivity. Tomlin mentioned that, you know, and it, it seemed like we had a lot of guys step into these roles that, you know, we haven't necessarily seen. Well, and if you want to talk about special teams even more, at the end of the half, the, the defense blocked a, a field goal. It was a long field goal, but right. Isaiah Loudermilk was the guy that blocked it in a, a position. He was in the A-gap, which I don't think he normally is on, on field goal kicks. And and he he made a great play. He didn't see the ball, but he put his big paw up and he, he got it. And so, like you said, another guy who's not normally in that position making a big play. Yeah, that was kind of the story of this game, I think. You know, we'll talk a little bit, break down offense and defense. But guys shined that haven't shined all season or we haven't really seen play much, right? Yeah. Benny Snell, James Pierre, as you mentioned, Isaiah Loudermilk, Matthew Wright, some of these guys who really are not necessarily practice squad players, but they're special teams players or depth players. And, right. and so it, was, it was cool to see that. It was good. You know, I would expect that with a team that is four and seven, that you take this season, obviously as growth for Kenny to see those opportunities play through, but you also give reps to some of the other guys that, you know, you need to see, are we going to, you know, offer you them a contract? To. Are we going to, you know, keep them on? Are we going to let them walk when free agency comes? I think that's a really important element here. So it's good to see us getting reps for some young guys too. Yeah. Or you think like Connor Hayward, who we're going to get into the second half here, but had that huge uh, tackle on the, the big long kick return guys like him. Who's a, who's a rookie, a late round draft pick who is the third tight end but does he have special teams value? And and we got to answer all those questions. It's not always the starters that matter. It's a lot of the depth guys that matter too. So yeah, definitely big thing to watch out for. Yeah. So let's talk about the second half a little bit, because as good as the first half was, and again, you know, we're able to walk away from Indianapolis with a win. Yeah. The second half was just not good football, in my opinion. I mean, I, I feel like other teams, 31 teams in the NFL know how to make a second half adjustment and the Steelers don't, at least that's just what it seems like. We always just open up the second half so poorly. I think our first two drives in the second half here were three and outs. It was pathetic and it was frustrating to see knowing what we're capable of and knowing what we did in the first half. It was, this was the second straight week we had disappointment on the offensive side in the second half. Um, which was really tough. Like you said, the first two drives were three and outs. We also had another punt. We only had four drives if you don't count the kneel down at the end of the game. We only had four drives. Three of them were punts. The other one we had six plays on. The touchdown drive was a good drive, but, I mean, other than that, I gave you all the stats in the first half. This is how much different was in the second half. The Steelers had six first downs to Indy's 15. Steelers had 91 yards to Indy's 219. Steelers ran 24 offensive plays to their 40. And we had the ball for 1324 and they had it for 1736. The script completely flipped in the second half. And Kenny was 14 of 18 in the first for 133 yards. In the second half, he was six of 10 for 41 yards. It's just, and I'm not, we'll get into Kenny and, and all that, but it just was a completely different game. And if it wasn't for that field goal or that, I'm sorry, that fumble at the goal line by, by Matt Ryan or Jonathan Taylor, whoever you want to call it, blame it on they're down 16 to 10 about the score. They could take the lead. And this is an entirely different ball game with a, with a team that I guess they're going to take the lead earlier than they did. And it could be an entirely different ball game with how our offense looked in the second half. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you said it, the, the script totally flipped how we played the first half and how Indy played the first half. Exactly the opposite. I mean, you look at the total stats for the game and they're honestly pretty close. Yeah. Like we had 22 first downs. Indy had 19, 
we ran 67 total plays. They ran 62, um, you know, total yards. We had 33 more total yards. We had like three more minutes in terms of time of possession. So yeah, we, we had the edge there, but if, you know, we didn't catch a couple lucky breaks, like if we didn't get that, um, the, the hit to Kenny that gave another 15 yards, right. We didn't have the, the fumble at the one yard line. This could have been a much different game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, a win's a win, and, and that's all great, but this, the se- second straight, second half misery, I guess we'll call it, or, or struggles was was really tough. And uh, But luckily, they were able to pull it out this time, and like you said, it was our first fourth year to come back of the year, and yeah. good to see that for Kenny. Yeah, so let's talk just good things. I just have a couple stats, notes here, overall kind of good big picture stuff. We'll save the bad kind of for another section because that's mostly going to come with our, our offensive play calling and, yep. and that, you know, a little bit in the second half there that we talked about. So the good things here, this game was the most points that the Colts have allowed to an offense in the past six weeks. It's the second most points that an offense has put up on Indianapolis all year. Yeah, and let me explain to you what that actually means. I mean, in, at home, these are all at home games. It's the second most points they've given up at home. They gave up 17 to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, yep. 24 to Tennessee, 34 to the Jags. That was the top. 17 to the Commanders, but the Commanders are playing better football, and 17 to the Eagles. Right. I mean, there's some pretty solid offenses in that list that they've not given up that many points to, and we were able – they've been playing really good D at home, and we were able to take advantage of it a little bit. So I agree. That's a huge positive. Yeah. The Eagles – or not the Eagles, sorry. The Colts have a good defense, and to hold teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles to 17 and and let us get 24 on them, that's that's impressive. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe not impressive, but that's good. That's a good development for our offense. On that note, this is the first time since Matt Canada has been our offensive coordinator for the Steelers that we scored more than 20 points – in consecutive weeks in regulation. It's nice it happened, but that also shows why we have some of the problems we'll talk about later. It's yeah. just, it's good. It's good. It's happening right now, but it's bad that it took it's, almost it's, two seasons. Yeah. It's good that it's there, but it's not good that it's, ha- that it, you know, that the there. fact that that's a stats, not good. Right. Um, this was our first road win since week one in Cincinnati and it's, it was week 12. So, I mean, we, we only have four wins, but you know, that's a positive there. Yeah. Another one that I wrote down, I mean, 172 rushing yards as a team. We had four different players over 30 yards. You know, Najee exited the game. It's Wednesday for our listeners, for those who are are tuning in. Um, And we know that as of today, he did not practice. Um, So I'm not sure. We're not sure what the Najee situation will be, whether or not he'll get held out or start to, you know, practice on a limited basis later this week. Something we'll need to monitor, but we will get Jalen Warren back. Right. And we saw some productivity about some of those other guys, right? Whoever has a helmet plays, as Mike Tomlin says. And yeah, and it, the good yeah. thing with Najee is they said he avoided a major injury. Now, I mean, I don't really know what that means. I don't know. He could be out a week or a couple weeks, but he, it's not a major injury, which is good. But, like, I mean, like you said, the last three weeks, we have the fourth most rushing yards in the NFL as a team. We put up uh, three weeks ago, I guess, we put up 217 Last week we had 102, and this week we had 172. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, especially for a team that the O-line looked terrible at the beginning of the year, um, and, and the run game looked bad with Najee Hurt. I do have to give some credit to the new O-line coach and, and the offensive line. They seem to be running some uh, more creative run plays and more creative run blocking schemes, yeah. and, and it seems to be opening up some holes. I mean, Najee Harris could have had a, a breakaway 
like 40-yard touchdown run if Stephon Gilmore didn't make an unbelievable open field tackle on him early in the game. It, it's plays like that. They're opening up holes now where it's showing. Our run game looks good, which is a huge sign, especially for, for a young team and a young quarterback. Yeah. I mean, three, four weeks ago, we talked about how Kenny was throwing 40 passes a game, if not close to 50, considering his dropbacks. And he threw 28 times in this game. A right. few more with his dropbacks but uh, and three sacks that he took. So maybe 30, 31. But I mean, to be around that number, it's it's a lot different than what it was. So A much better formula to win football games. Yeah. When you have a productive run game, that's great. So I'm going to ask you a, a listener question here that actually came in last week. We didn't get to it. And it's a little bit different now that Najee is not healthy fully. We, we're not entirely sure of what his status is. But assuming he is, this comes from uh, one of my good friends, Baker. And he's asking, is Najee back? Is he RB1? Is, is he back to, you know, the, the bell cow, the lead running back? It sucks because he did just get hurt when he was starting to peak and play his best this year. But assuming the injury is fine and everything, absolutely. Najee Harris looks like the guy we saw last year that got the reason why we drafted him in the first round. He looks like a bell cow. He looks like a good running back. Obviously, he's not going to carry as much as he has as many touches as he had last year. But, yeah, I think he's absolutely back. He is running the ball well, and he's making plays. He's a better blocker. He's, he's learned that this season. Yes, he's definitely RB1 again. Jalen yeah. Warren's going to be a great change of pace guy, but he's definitely the, the lead yeah. back. I agree. Let's get him back. Um, let, let's you know monitor that injury. Hopefully we see him soon, but I agree. Yeah. I, I think he's back. Let me read you the stat lines here just of, of the game uh, or of our kind of uh, our leading offensive players, and, and then we'll kind of go into a little bit of balls of steel. Um, Kenny Pickett, 20 of 28 for 174 yards. Benny Snell was our leading rusher, 12 carries, 62 yards, and the touchdown. George Pickens, yardage-wise, our leading receiver, three catches for 57 yards. So not like overwhelming numbers. I mean, we put together 323 total yards of offense. So it wasn't a a really big game across the board. Um, But, you know, we had guys step up and and play, and it was was good to see that. Um, Because of that, I'm going to go ahead and, and award my balls of steel player right now for this week. Yeah. And it's going to go to Benny Snell. And we, at the beginning of the season, were very skeptical. You and I both. Of yeah. No. With Jalen Warren coming up the way that he was. And in the preseason, if you remember, we saw a lot of Anthony McFarland. Yes. Um, so we kind of thought that Benny Snell was going to get cut. Absolutely. We didn't think that he was going to make it on the roster necessarily. And he's proven to be a, a great special teams player, which has held his spot on the roster. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, when Najee went out, like, and even before Najee went out, Benny wasn't the number two, I don't think. I think it was McFarland, was it? Yeah, McFarland definitely got the carries early on uh, when Najee went out. Yeah. But then Benny was just a better running back. And so Benny was better. I mean, as I mentioned, 12 carries, 62 yards. That's 5.2 average. He had the game-winning touchdown. 16 yard was his long run. He had a catch for six yards. And he had a tackle on special teams. So, you know, he really I'm, – I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm glad that he stepped into this role. We played a little homage to him in uh, in our intro here uh, on this week's episode from the Latin America broadcast. If you guys caught that, but um, it's it's good to see Benny step into a role when Jalen and Najee are out. So he was very deserving for me. 
Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, he ended up having 41% of the offensive snaps in addition to 65% of the special team snaps. So he was on the field a lot. It's good to get a Snell yeah in there. Snell I expect yeah. I'd say that all year. My cousin a... Mac's going to love that. He's a Kentucky fan, so he, well, good. he'll rub it in my face a little bit. Yeah, yeah Snell, baby. yeah, baby. I, I don't know. I was not the big fan when he came and started playing on Monday, but he, he made me eat my words. He looked really, really good. So happy for, happy for Benny to keep fighting. Uh, my balls of steel guy is going to be a similar guy. Well, he's had a great year, but he's really turned a corner this season. Um, I'm going to give it to Alex Highsmith. Yeah. Seems like an easy answer, but the guy had six tackles, two QB hits, a sack to give him 10 on the season, and a forced fumble. And uh, that forced fumble leads me into my sack of, or my stat of the week. Sack of the week. Sack stat of the, of the week. week. Yeah. He has four forced fumbles this year, which actually leads the entire NFL. Wow. In 2021 and 2020, he had a total of one. So in two seasons, he had one forced fumble, and this year alone he has four. And a lot of that was without T.J. Watt. The guy has learned how to pass, rush the passer. He looks so much better. And uh, I've just been really impressed. I know he, I said that T.J. Watt would catch him. I was completely wrong on that, and I'm happy that I was wrong because I think we found a really, really good number two pass rusher, which will help us when we look towards the future. So really happy for Alex Highsmith. I'm going to bring that up every chance I get that, that you said that and that I, I told you Alex Highsmith was going to have a breakout year. Yeah, some of my predictions aren't great. Like, Najee's playing a lot better than I was giving him credit for back then, and, and Alice Highsmith's keeping it going. So Yeah, we'll have to go back and take a look, and, and maybe we put some put a bet on it or something. It's all positives, though. Yeah, it is It is positives. I mean, Alex Highsmith, I think this is his first double-digit sack season in his career, and a lot of people don't have that. And I saw a stat earlier this week. Um, I think it was uh, on Tuesday or yesterday or something like that. It was basically comparing Highsmith to like Miles Garrett. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, it's like Miles Garrett gets all this credit, right? So does Aaron Donald and these guys, but Alex Highsmith is putting just as much pressure and, and getting as good of results, if not better than someone like Miles Garrett. So, well, and you said not a lot of people have done double digit stacks. There's only been six Steelers under Mike Tomlin that have done it. He is now the seventh. And he joins T.J. Watt, James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, and Bud Dupree. Yeah, that's a pretty darn good list to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Here's that comparison against Miles Garrett. Highsmith, 26 solo tackles, 17 assisted, 43 total, and 10 sacks. Miles Garrett, 19 solo tackles, 11 assisted, 30 total, 10 sacks. So same amount of sacks, and Highsmith has more solo assisted total tackles. I mean, and, and Highsmith was the number one pass rusher like Miles Garrett for a lot of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we go back to that, that TJ Watt effect now that he's in, man, it, it just opens up so much room for someone who is a good, a really good player. Like Highsmith. Yeah. it's like when you have TJ Watt in there, I mean, Highsmith is a TJ Watt, you know, yeah. just really lets him lose. So that's a good pick. Do you want to talk a little bit about the defense while, while we're here and talking about Highsmith? I know you have some stats. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was like you said, it was like, we keep talking about it. That was the theme. It was the guys who haven't played huge roles this year, playing big roles. A guy like James Pierre had, he had an interception. He had an 87.1 PFF grade. Mm-hmm. And then he also played 47% of the snaps. And that's where that's the big number to remember. He played 47%. Millette only played 28%. Mm. They made a switch in their sub packages. They decided without Robert Spillane and after being torched a little bit, they decided to 
not play Millette as the sub package uh, slot guy, and they actually move Cam Sutton inside and put Pierre outside. And I, I know Pierre gave up the touchdown to Michael Pittman yeah. and all that, but Pierre played a really good game, and you can kind of tell the difference. The, the, the Indy wide receivers did not do that, do that much, and uh, they have a couple good guys. So I thought that was a big point to, to see, and it was good that they finally made an adjustment like that. At the same time, Robert Spillane didn't play, which I was happy with, <laughs> but that also meant Devin Bush played 100% of the snaps yeah. to, to Miles Jack only playing 69. But Devin and Bush had a pretty good game. He did. He did. But as Mike Tomlin said, he was only playing that much because of injuries. And so Devin, uh, Miles Jack's still ailing from his issues. I think it was a knee problem. And then Robert Spillane had a back injury that knocked him out. But Devin Bush played 100%. And yeah, like you said, I mean, we didn't give up that many yards. Jonathan Taylor, and I, I thought he played a pretty good game. So the, those were the two key things, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. We had a couple bad penalties. I can blame the refs, refs or whatever, but we had some rough penalties in the second half, I think, that gave some first downs. Um, but other than that, I thought the defense played a, a pretty solid game. They made Matt Ryan look really uncomfortable, which was good. Yeah, especially in the first half, like we saw. I mean, if if you hold a, a veteran quarterback to under 200 yards passing, I think that's a pretty, you know, that's yeah. a pretty good week. And, you know, they had a little over 100 yards rushing on the ground. Um, nothing really to write home about. Jonathan Taylor had a, had a good game, but, you know, again, nothing – nothing out of the water and we won the turnover battle i mean call that that fumble whatever you want um in terms of you know the miss between matt ryan and and jonathan taylor but we had the interception and that was a big play that's another guy chris wormley getting that fumble recovery another guy who we haven't talked much this year is a backup defensive lineman i mean he's he's been good in rotational play uh, rotational time so another guy yeah i thought the defense played pretty well yeah. Is there anything else you want to add on the defense? Because I'm ready to go into no. a jag off of the week. I think yep. we need to take a little bit of a negative tone here. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, I'll I'll kick things off. Um, to give it to an actual player here, it's going to go to Deontay Johnson for me. And it's going to go yeah. to him for, for two reasons. First of all was the touchdown drop. I think that was a, a, a well-defended play, but it was a really good throw, and Deontay Johnson could have caught that. I said right after this play, as I watched it live, I feel like Deontay Johnson makes the amazing catches on really hard balls. Yes. And he drops the gimmies. Yes, ab- absolutely. And yep. it is so frustrating to watch that. So that was that, that kind of grinded my gears a little bit. And the second one was that slant route. I, I don't know what it was that he ran. I don't know what the route was, but Kenny hit him right over the middle. He had an easy first down and he ran laterally and he ran backwards. And you can watch the video of it. Kenny is waving him on, like pushing his arms forward, telling him to run forward. And Deontay is just moving, you know, along the whatever yard line it was moving laterally yeah. and did not move up. And we just, yeah, that was that was annoying. I think after the catch, he gained two or three yards and then went on to lose those two or three and I think another yard in addition to that. Yeah. I, yeah, it's so frustrating to watch that, especially with a, a guy with that that much skill and that much talent. Why not just hit the hole or just go? Well, that's that's where I'm a little frustrated because I'm, I'm going to elaborate here. You mentioned the skill and talent that he has. We, we know that. Ben Roethlisberger, for those who don't know, does a podcast – and this footballing footballing 
and and this I don't know, not this week, maybe a week before, two weeks ago, he basically said that Kenny needs he said if I was in Kenny's shoes, I would get Deontay more involved, which is fair. He had a really good rapport with Ben and they he were, did that th- this week though. But yeah, Kenny he, Kenny tried. He did. Kenny tried. Eight I mean, targets, we went five him, catches, led the team in both of those categories. Yeah, we went to him right off the bat on the first drive multiple times. So I, I think the reason I'm frustrated with Deontay Johnson is he just got paid, right? Making $18 million a year, I think is what it is. Yeah. And so he's theoretically our, our wide receiver one, but he's shown that he's kind of like a drama queen a little bit. The other things... He complains so much. You can complain. visibly seeing him getting upset. Yeah, to me, it's like... you, And he says these things to the press. I'm like, don't... Keep, don't keep it bottled up, but don't say it to the press. Like, go to Kenny afterwards. Go right. to your offensive coordinator afterwards and talk yeah. about this and stay after practice and get reps and do things that, you know, good teammates will do. So that's frustrating to me, just the stats to back him up, right? He's, I don't know where $18 million a year ranks in terms of wide receivers getting paid, but I know where his stats so far for this year rank. And again, we can tie a lot of this back to the production of the offense and having two different quarterbacks and a rookie quarterback and whatever it might be. Excuses, excuses, but still his productivity is is clearly showing here as well. He's 48th in the league in total receiving yards. And he's third on the team. So he's our wide receiver one, but he's behind Pickens. He's behind Pat Fryermuth. On that list of of receiving yards where he's number 48 He's behind like a number of tight ends. There's a lot of teams that have not just their wide receiver one ahead of him, but they have their wide receiver two, like the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Eagles, the Bills, the Browns, the Vikings, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of teams uh, that have two wide receivers ahead of him in terms of, of yardage. And here's the kicker for me. This is what I found really crazy. He's 48th in total yards, but he's 10th in the league in targets. 10th. Holy crap. Now he doesn't, you know, not all of those are drops, right? Some are not good throws, but yeah. he's getting looks. Like he's, he's, and he gets open. We know he gets open. He has a lot of separation in his yeah. routes. Um, but to see that, that miss correlation or non correlation, like 10th in targets and then 48th in receiving yards, that was kind of mind boggling. Yeah. There's does, there's does seem to be some kind of disconnect with him and Kenny because you would think the number one guy getting paid like a number one receiver that would be great for a rookie quarterback, right? A nice safety blanket. But that seems to be George Pickens. And I don't know if that's just because they've spent more time together because I don't know how long – I mean, Deontay was, I think, holding out a little bit for his contract. So I, I just don't know. Maybe he doesn't have the reps with Kenny and maybe they're still working on it. But it, I think it would be really nice if Kenny could have a guy like Deontay as his go-to guy to yeah. get him out of bad situations, and it just hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. But, you know, we're, I'm not mad about the Pickens situation. I think no. they are proving that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, hopefully for the next five to ten years in the NFL. Yeah, dealers. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But. Yeah. So my jag off of the week is going to go to a group of players. I don't like giving it to just one person. Um, it's going to go to the kickoff coverage team. Good pick. Oh my goodness, were they bad? Uh, I I knew they were bad because they gave up the eighty nine and forty five yard returns uh, to two different return men. Um, but they actually had five returns against them, and they gave up an average of forty five yards per return. It's awful. I mean, I know there's an 89-yarder in there, which kind of skews the number, but that, that's not good. And last week, they gave up a 42-yard return to the Bengals as well. And, and listen, that set up the Colts. It gave them some momentum when they were dead. 
I mean, the offense was doing nothing. It gave them momentum. And uh, I think it's really important for them to, to try to figure it out, especially going into this week where we face the Atlanta Falcons and Cordero Patterson, who has the most kick return touchdowns in NFL history yep. with nine. So this is not a time to be a good time to be struggling on kickoff coverage, but uh, hopefully they can, they can figure it out. Yeah, it's a good point. Hopefully we can get it, get it together. Um, you know, I, I question whether or not having guys like Robert Spillane and Miles Boykin out impacts that because yeah. those are two big special teams players. So, so maybe that plays a role. Yeah, but... they both have been very big core special teamers. You're right. That, that doesn't help. But you would hope that next man, man, uh, next man up mentality would, would come into play. But it, it hasn't. For sure. All right. I think that was a good, a good wrap up. Uh, good, good way to talk about the game. Let's move a little bit into a segment here, unless you want to say something. No, no, right. I'm good. Sounds good. Let's let's move into our our uh, now recurring Kenny Pickett segment. <laughs> yeah, a few minutes just talking about Kenny because we have to. We we are continually, I think, seeing some growth from Kenny, which is exactly what you would expect. This this is, you know, call this win. A, a pointless win in terms of the schedule and, and what ha- like that doesn't really matter. We know we're, no. we're not in the playoff hunt. We talked about the point of this season is Kenny's growth and development. And if that happens, then we're going to be in good shape moving forward. So absolutely. So far, what I have seen is, is improvement and it hasn't necessarily been linear. There have been ups and downs, but we have seen some things that proved to be pretty well. I'll lead in here just by saying, Kenny, Kenny Pickett's PFF grade this week was 88.5. He, that was the highest PFF grade for anyone on the team. That was the second best by any quarterback in any in week 12. That was the best by a rookie quarterback all year. Best by a Steelers quarterback since 2018. So it, it was a, a really good, you know, his stats don't blow you out of the water. 20 for 24, under 200 yards. But it was a, it was a good game from from kenny there's still rookie mistakes there's still things that that he's yeah. gonna learn and grow but it was a solid game i'm really happy with that performance well and you know all the ravens fans around me the the big knock on him is when they just look at the bottom line is his td to interception ratio is terrible well guess what let me tell you he's growing because that's not the case right now if you look at the past three weeks he's 63 for 100 for 638 yards one touchdown no interceptions he has 97 yards rushing and a touchdown. He went the first five games averaging an interception on every 20 throws. Mm-hmm. He's gone 100 straight throws without a pick. That's I, don't think, I don't think he has a turnover since the bye week, which is the last three weeks. He, he, he's turned a new leaf. He's taken more control, more care of the ball, and, and he's not just being careless with it. And I think that was probably a talking point during the bye. And you can tell he's growing and he's learning, and that's all we care about. That's all we want. Yeah, that's huge. No giveaways in three straight games. I mean, this was his first fourth quarter comeback win, right? So now when we're down in the fourth quarter and we're watching TV and we see the game and they show the stat line at the bottom, it will say one career fourth quarter overtime drive. Which is awesome. Yeah, he has a number up there now. So um, that was that was a good a good win for Kenny. Like you said, he's really using his legs in in the ways that he should. He's, He's not. He's not Josh Allen. No, he's older. He, he's a pass first. Yeah, he's right. pass first. But if there's a if there's a lane, he's going to take it. I think he should. Yeah, he should. He's and he's not. Yeah, we're not doing these like unnecessary designed runs where he's going to take a hit. He's not Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts. These no. rushing quarterbacks, but he's he's going to get us. 
I would be like, I'd be willing to bet that you could average things out. And I would, I would think it'd be safe to say that Kenny will get us like two rushing first downs. In yeah. every, like he's just able to kind of use his wheels and just get a few yards and pick something up and run to the sideline. It's yeah. great. Absolutely. And, and, and we're talking about like his bigger picture growth, right? Not turning it over. Oh, I love seeing just in the game, he made adjustments and learned from mistakes yes. in the first half. You can go watch the videos. There was a third down play where they ran a, a – McFarlane came out of the backfield into the flat, and Deontay Johnson was running a slant right behind him. And he had – if he waited another couple seconds, he had Deontay Johnson wide open, might have gotten the first. Instead, he threw it to McFarlane. McFarlane got blown up. Sorry for McFarlane. But he got blown up, and, and Deontay Johnson was not, upset, well, not happy with that. Yeah. And, and understandable. Troy Aikman pointed it out. It was a misread. He's a rookie. He's still learning. He came out in the second half on the same exact play and waited that extra second and got Deontay Johnson the ball behind the linebacker or the behind the, I think it was a linebacker going into the flat. Mm -hmm. Just that little adjustment in game is showing how much he's improving and he's growing as a player. He's listening to his coaches or the film or whatever they're telling him. And he is learning. It's not just the big picture stuff. It's the little things in game. And and I think that's all you can ask for out of a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And he's a big, I have learned just in the reading I've done about Kenny, he's a big film guy. Yeah. He's always been a big film guy. And to have that, you know, the example that you gave, we always see when we watch the games on TV, like you see the guys sit down and and pull up the iPad. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't know hard examples of when I've actually ever like made the connection of like, okay, he just saw that and he's making the adjustment. And but that was one, was one of those. Like, I'm sure he sat down on the bench, looked at the iPad, saw that. And when they called that play again, they just switched the, the direction or they, right. they switched left and right. And right. so it changed things up, I guess, enough, um, call it what it is, but yeah, change things up enough. And Kenny made that read and made the, the change in game. So that was really cool. The other thing with Kenny, I have to say, and this might lead us into our next conversation, is I, I feel like he's getting a better feel for the game as well. He, he's starting to grow into his own as a quarterback and not be afraid to call his shot or, or do something like that. And, and the reason I'm saying that is the entire team, I think Kenny said it, uh, Mason Cole's talked about it. I'm pretty sure a coach has talked about it. The Benny Snell game-winning touchdown run, supposedly Kenny Pickett called himself. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett said, this is the play I want to run or running it. And the rumor is what the reports are is he talked to that about Mike Tom. He talked to, about that to Mike Tomlin and Mike Sullivan, the QB coach. It didn't sound like Matt Canada was involved in the conversation. Now I'm going to take a step back and say, I don't really know how true that is. Mike, Matt Canada's in the booth. Right. So it could have been over a headset. He probably was involved in the conversation, but the fact that Kenny felt comfortable enough and confident enough to call his shot and say, no, after, I mean, we did a shovel pass to Derek Watt from the five-yard line and got one yeah. yard. And then we threw a fade route that should have been caught. But just the fact that he felt, no, 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 I'm taking the ball out of my hand because I know Benny's going to score here. I think that's awesome. And I think that's huge improvement. Yeah. So I know where you're going with this, but I'm going to ask you one question to close things out with the Kenny segment. That's fine. And this question, I think it, I think it's a really good question. This is, this is my question, not a listener question. Sure. And that question is, do you think that Kenny won us that game? Like, did Kenny Pickett win that game for the Steelers? That's such a hard question. Um, 
and and you can you can go to the whole you can't win as a single player you have to win as a team and all that but the, you do see in the NFL quarterbacks do have the ability to win games look at Josh yeah. Allen look at Patrick Mahomes yes all saying saying all that I do not think Kenny Pickett won the game I think Kenny Pickett was a huge component to why we won the game but I would not give him the sole reason I thought it was a pretty all around good game without the running game Without the defense making some big plays, I don't think we win. So I loved Kenny's performance, but I don't think he was the sole reason we won. Okay. I like that take. I, I, I bring that up because, you know, we've watched a lot of games in the past where it's the defense that bails us out pretty clearly, or we get, you know, a strip sack to, to end the game or win the yeah. game. We make a fourth down stop, which we did. We, we did. Our defense did that here in this game to prevent a, a, a tying score. But it did, the, it did change a little bit. The offense did have to bail the defense out. Right. And we've seen that this year, and the offense hasn't been able to do it. And they were able to do it this week. So that was awesome. But you look at some of our past games, not this one, but a couple other games, like we have shown that we're, we can ice the clock now. Like we can run the, the clock down. So yeah. if we're capable of doing this, could be on the up and up. So. I agree. All right. I agree. So I think where I was leading, just to talk, touch on, touch on it real quick. We, I think we have to. I mean, I know it's a weekly thing, but I think we have to. We have to touch on Matt Canada. We showed the stats. We talked about the stats between the first half and second half. And it's, this is two straight weeks that it's, it's glaringly obvious how much worse the team is in the second half. And it leads me to a question I have for you. Is his playbook too small, <laughs> or is he just a bad play caller and schemer? Can I take the cop out and say I think it's both? I mean... I think that's a reasonable answer. So let me defend both of those. The playbook, I feel like... I feel like it's so predictable. Well, this is the second straight week because you can hear on the game sound Zaire Franklin yell at his teammates after they gave up a nine-yard run on a second down and 10 run that it's the same play. He screamed out, it's the same play. And that's after Jermaine Pratt said he knew the plays last week. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, it's the same it, second and 10 runs, shovel passes, sending Steven Sims or Gunnar Olszewski or whoever it might be in motion. Like, yeah. and then it, it's just really predictable in, in terms of what you're getting and seeing. Um, I don't study the, the routes that the receivers run, but it seems like there is a limited amount of plays. I mean, yeah. Matt Canada straight up said, when Calvin Austin was getting thought to be getting into the mix, he said he didn't know where he would put him in the offense. Yeah. And Calvin Austin is like this super speedy, really crazy guy. That He'd be perfect for this team. Sauce Gardner, who is like the best cornerback and rookie cornerback in the NFL right now, said that in college, Calvin Austin was the hardest person that he had to guard. Yeah. The hardest person that he guarded. And he's on the Steelers and he was a, freaking fourth round draft pick yeah and unfortunately we lost him for the year to injured reserve and he had surgery and that's fine but we're going to get him back next year and he will be perfect for this team i, I just want to see where yeah. he fits in and that's that makes me think that canada's playbook is also too small it's too well, small but i also feel like he just doesn't and defend it as well a little bit more i mean when we can sit on the couch and we say this but we can predict the plays like we can predict when a Zach century century Zach Gentry screen pass or yeah. a shovel pass is coming. I mean, Derek watched shovel pass one for one yard. Zach Gentry's uh, screen pass went for negative four. That's a, that's a net negative three yards on those two plays. I mean, it's terrible, but he does it every week. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's bad when the people on their couch, us Ginzers can predict it. 
Yeah. So speaking of, or I guess, you know, going with the theme of questions here, I'm, I'm going to ask you a listener question and this will transition us into kind of our last bit and then we'll do a preview and close out. I know we're running sure. long here. Um, this question came in from one of our listeners, Sean, and it's in the theme of Kenny, but it takes us into a little bit about the draft. His question here is if Kenny Pickett is the guy to build a team around, how should the Steelers draft? And I think he's asking next year, yeah. What do we spend our first round? Because that was another question we got into again from my good friend Baker. He asked, what should our first round draft pick be next year? Yeah. And Baker and Sean, they're both, I mean, it's, it's a good question. And I think there are some glaring needs on this team. And I think there's two. I think the, I think the two spots you have to look at is we need a number one cornerback. I, I think it's obvious. I mean, Levi Wallace and Cam Sutton and Akella Weatherspoon are solid and pretty good number twos, but we don't have that elite guy like a sauce Gardner. Yeah. So I look to a guy like Joey Porter Jr. potentially around the top 10 if we could get him. The other position is we need an offensive lineman. I think specifically we need an, an offensive tackle. Yeah. I mean, Dan Moore continues to struggle in pass protection. Right. I mean, how many sacks or, or pressures did he give up this week? And he blew that one. Yannick Ngakwe ran in free on Kenny Pickett, and that's because Dan Moore didn't have the right assignment. I, I think we need an improvement. He was a late-round pick. We took a flyer. He's played two years. He hasn't improved. I think it's time to move on. And as with a young franchise quarterback, you need to protect him. So I, I do think we need to focus more on tackle than, than corner, but I think both are big needs. I would like to see this first-round draft pick, which, by the way, right now sits at the 12th pick. Amazing okay. what just one win can do because we were like fifth. Before the game, we were fifth. Yeah, and now we're 12th. The reason that happens is there's actually 10 teams with four wins in the NFL right now. Um, mm. So so you wouldn't – and there's there's like two teams that are worse. So out of those 10 teams, like we kind of just fall at the end of that because the way they assess or the way they order draft ranking is based on strength of schedule. So if you have a oh, the worst record or you're tied with a bad record – but you're losing games to really bad teams, you really are a worse team. So you're drafting higher. Which um, makes sense. So our strength of schedule has been harder. And so therefore we're sitting right now at 12th. So I don't know if we, if this keeps up. And again, we talked about our schedule. It's not like we have a crazy schedule. We play the Ravens twice, but other than that, we don't have any crazy opponents. I would say no. um, we have a, a decent chance to maybe split with the Ravens. Who knows? So I don't know if we're going to get a top 10 pick. We might be in, in the, the 10 to 15 range or the 10 to 18 range. So we'll have to see what happens there. But I think to answer that question, exactly like you said, offensive linemen and corner are our top two needs. I would like to see the offensive linemen get picked. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that will help. But what's also nice is we talk about the bears pick each week, or we kind of have been the bears are the second drafting team right now. And one interesting thing to mention here is that the Dolphins were actually stripped of their first round pick due to some tampering uh, allegations. Mm -hmm. They got in trouble. So the Dolphins don't have a first round pick. So there's only 31 picks in the first round this year. So the second round opens with pick 32. So if things were to end right now, what that would mean is that we would have the 33rd pick. So we would essentially have like the first pick into the second round. Which is awesome. So it's almost another first round pick. So to be able to have our first round pick, that really early Bears pick, again, if things hold true, and then our relatively early second round pick, you have three top 50 guys, hopefully, to be able to take a, a tackle, a cornerback, maybe address another need, or maybe build out even further. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for like reference, a guy like 
T Higgins was the first pick of the second round for the Cincinnati Bengals a couple years ago. We, you can get guys that, that can play. Roger McCreary yeah. for the Titans was the 35th pick overall. Brees Hall was 36. There's a lot of good players early on in the second round, and I think that's a really, really valuable pick. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's do a game preview and, and wrap up here. Um, we're drawing the Falcons next week in Atlanta. Yep. The Falcons, I would say, are not a good football team. You They're up and down. Here to back it up. But I just bring this up really briefly because – I look back at games against other teams that I would say are not good this year. The Saints, yeah. the Colts, we we won those games. We played how we should, um, given what we know about our team. And traditionally, in years past, I think we play down to those teams. We play at that level. I think this year, it might seem like we're playing down, but maybe that's playing a little bit better for us. We don't really have a, a high ceiling. <laughs> right. So I think going in against a team that's on paper not very good, I think that the 29th, ranked defense, 31st ranked offense. I think we can win this game. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like you said, their Atlanta's offense is 14th in scoring. Their fourth rushing the ball. They're a pretty good rushing team with Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier and some of those guys. But Marcus they're 30. Mariota's a mobile quarterback. Marcus, right. But, and for that reason, he, they're 31st in passing and they're 27th overall. Yeah. So it's kind of strength versus strength, strength, though. Our run defense has solidified itself this year. We're actually the number six run defense and only giving up 104 yards per game. So our strength of our, our defense is going against their strength. So that's good for us that the pass, that the DBs might not have to play a huge role. So that's good. On the other side of the ball, though, their defense, as you said, is not very good. They're 25th in scoring, 21st against the run, which is great for us. 28th against the pass. Again, another game for Kenny to maybe grow. And they're 28th in total defense. So I look for it to be a game where the defense could dominate and the offense has a chance to continue to grow. Maybe we see a 250-plus game from Kenny Pickett, or maybe we see another 150-yard rushing game again. I'm very hopeful against a, a rough defense that we can that we can maybe put up some points. Yeah, so the Falcons are 5-7. and seven. They haven't had their bye week yet, so that's, that's one element here. Um, they're in a, a, a division where no one is above 500. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what we're going to get out of this game. Um, we are 0-3 following a win this season we haven't won back-to-back games yet um atlanta i think they're opening as a at 1.5 favorites against us so it's pretty much a wash yeah like we said last week against the colt against the colts you know not knowing what we know now it, it might be a game where anything can happen but i i think we have a pretty good chance to win this game if we play how we have been Yep, we're gonna come ready to play. They're they're only a half game out of first place in their division, so they have a lot to play for. So we gotta come out here and, and fight and hopefully we can get a win and, and buck that trend of losing after a win. Yeah, let's hope so. We'll have some boots on the ground. It won't be us. My sister will be there. So nice. We'll, we'll get some good pictures or stats or whatever it might be. But looking forward to that and looking forward to talking to everyone after that game with our next episode. So I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, Thank you to everyone for tuning in again. Keep it up with the listener questions, the DMS. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Peace.